Holman, were you in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho this last weekend? Uh, that nope, would that be was you. me. That was me at Hunting for Horsepower, which was put on by Alligator Performance. They're a big diesel uh, warehouse distributor, yep. retailer up in Idaho. And I guess that is kind of, I didn't know, I hadn't been there. Um, it's kind of the Beverly Hills of Idaho. If there is yeah, a I was Beverly gonna, Hills of Idaho. I've been to Coeur d'Alene before. Would you not consider it the Beverly Hills of Idaho? I mean, uh, Beverly Hills is nowhere near as beautiful. Nor is there a giant lake that's crystal clear that you feel like you can look down and see like 10,000 feet down. Uh, nor are the people amazingly nice. Very different than Beverly Hills. Good, good point. I just, I guess maybe it was just income level. I was thinking, but it is yeah, gorgeous. Coeur is an amazing spot. Yeah, yeah, really neat spot and really a really fun event. And uh, it was, I had been to um, a truck pole before, as we spoke about at uh, UCC Ultimate Callout yep. Challenge. Yep. Uh, in Indiana, and but there weren't any. Tractor, so it was a truck pull. This one had a truck pull after, so there was a um, dyno, there was uh, dirt drags, and then it ended with a truck pull, and then at the end of that, kind of in an, as an exhibition, there were tractor pulls. And I know you guys are in the audience are going to laugh because you probably, many of you have been to tractor pulls. I haven't, never been to one with actual real tractors. And the horsepower on these tractors is absurd. I'd never been so close to one of these things. And we talk about uh, clean burning, clean tunes on diesel trucks. These don't have that. <laughs> this is <laughs> at all. W- this one, this one tractor. A everything was giant Alcoa wheels were just mirror polished. It was clearly a show tractor. And did when, you say show tractor? I, I I did say show tractor. And when he when he hit it off, when he was he was doing the sled pull, I've never seen exhaust go out a stack as high up in the air. It went, <laughs> it must have been 150 feet in the air. I am not exaggerating. Like 150 feet, this exhaust over the grandstands. Wow. Just, brrr, and he just nails it. And there's the cones that are, ah, I forget, 700 feet or something. I don't know how far they were. And the goal is to just try to get to the cones as the sled digs in and, and creates more weight on the ass end of the tractor, right? Are you paying attention or I lose you already? No, you're talking about weight transfer on the butt end of the tractor. All right. Well, you're staring down at your cell phone. I'm telling a story about it. I wasn't. I was staring you in the eyes. (laughs) Looking right in your freaking ugly ass beady (laughs) eyes. So I don't have beady eyes. I have beautiful blue, (laughs) like pools. Oh, did I say beady? I meant dreamy. (laughs) Exactly. So this thing just motors right through the cones. The trucks couldn't get to it. This tractor just like it's no big thing. Like it's got Jado rockets attached to it. Well, it just because the trucks couldn't do it. And some of the trucks were mean. These dualies just, they were were getting close to these cones. The tractor just, it was clearly an exhibition. It was just no problem. Okay. And so, uh, you know, we talk about rolling coal all the Did time. Did you have a chance to get down and see the tractors or talk to the drivers in person or anything? I wish. I oh, wish. They man, were in their own area. Awesome. I was in the VIP, and by the time I figured uh, out, like, I need to go talk to the people, yeah. I couldn't get over there. I wanted to. I wanted You're to talk like to my them. dad when he takes a uh, iPhone video of something. How so? So he'll hold, hold up the phone. Yeah. Like, look, perfect example. We're at the ballpark. And Shoei Otani of the Angels... Hits a home run. Mm-hmm. And my dad has his iPhone so proudly on record. And as the home run sails out of the ballpark, my dad watches it and then puts his phone so it's taking a picture of the seats of his crotch. Front, you know? <laughs> and and I, I have a feeling like you were watching the tractors and totally lost sight of, oh, yeah, crap, I could make this a uh, cool No, uh, I didn't. No, no. As no? a matter of fact, so here's what really happened. Okay. Tractor goes, he's doing the whole thing, and it's really fun. I'm watching the truck. So, but what I hear. All right, so there's all the excitement going on with the trucks and the tractors doing the pole. But were there mounted parameters? 
It's funny they say that. <laughs> was she there? So I hear a girl doing announcements okay. on the PA system. Yes. But it's far enough away, I'm like, there's no way it could be her. Oh. There's no way. And I start getting closer and closer, and I wasn't by the speaker side. So I weave my way through the crowd, and I get over the speakers. And the girl was going on. I thought, oh, my Lord, this and? is it. I'm going to go find this girl. Yes. I'm going to go find the girl that gave us this. Master monitor key engine parameters. All right, the suspense and is killing I, me. I walked over. She's up in like this uh, this booth. It's yeah. made of a bunch of two by fours. Looks like it's going to fall down. Okay. And I get up, and it's not her at all. Like, it, as soon as I How, got close. But you don't know what she looks like. The tent. I listened to her speak for the next like 10 senses oh, okay. and it was just, and this girl had it together. Oh. She had all of her plugs on point. She pre-read her copy. Um, she wasn't screwing stuff up. She had no mounter we parameters. We have so many like diesel fans listening and nobody has outed her yet. Like I still want to meet her somewhere. I was, I had my phone recorder on, on <laughs> at ready the to ready, yeah. ready to go. So I was not concerned with talking to the tractor drivers or the truck drivers or any of that stuff. I only cared about finding the girl who gave us mount repair meters. And well, at least you had some focus for the show. I appreciate and that. I, and it really bummed me out because I was, you don't understand, I was so giddy thinking, Holman is going to yes. freak oh, out when I man. bring him new, oh, new mount repair meter. And I, and I, and nope, it was a different girl. Oh, that's sort of like when you're uh, scratching off a lottery ticket. And you need to get like five of six, and you're on number four. Yeah. And then you like go for the fifth one, and it's t- it's not. <laughs> no, it's know? not it. And you're like, oh my god, I got so close. Uh. Another thing that happened uh, actually just today, I was very excited to bring you. I wanted to get Eric, and I don't know if Eric is the owner or just works at the little shop and little shop manufacturing. You know, we're approaching SEMA. Yes. And SEMA is at the in the last week of October. It actually kicks off the day before Halloween in Las Vegas. And are we going to be there? We are going to be there. And we're going to be doing some shows from there, right? We are going to be some doing some very special shows from SEMA. Yes, you're right. going to really enjoy that content. I'm following the Little Shop. For years, I've been following the Little Shop Manufacturing. I think they're out of Tennessee. I want to say Lynchburg, but that may not be right. But they're out, I'm pretty sure they're out of Tennessee. Yeah, Tennessee sounds right. And they do some – I put them on the same level as the Roadster Shop. Yes. Okay? And I asked the guy when we first started this podcast if he would come on the show, and he said, no, sorry. And at that point, we – you know, Why? We were just two dudes. And I thought that he was he – was, he was nice and said, "I you know, I'm – gonna have to bow out i can't do it we're focusing on some other things and blah 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 and i said okay well we don't we, we had a, we were only two shows deep so i lawrenceburg I, tennessee lawrenceburg tennessee yeah. thank you okay I, I you know i couldn't go back to him okay you got to be on my show. i couldn't demand <laughs> yeah, it really right. had two shows on our belt yeah. and we, you know for all he doesn't know us now so, we have 28 this is 28 have, so, yeah so so wow. i basically and i said that I, and so i sent him an email i go look i've been following this new build that you've got going on and i'd love to get you on the show and he says i'm honored but we are not taking on any new customer builds. And if I do your show, people will assume that we're trolling for new work. Hmm. And he says, we're just manufacturing parts. He makes hinges for, yeah. so all, some, a really uh, a, a nice bevy of parts, right? Super, super high-end billet aluminum pieces for, for older trucks. He makes um, brake, cal- uh, brake caliper mounting solutions for vintage trucks, things like that. Um, stuff that nobody else is doing. But again, a lot like Roadster Shop. But it's driving me completely mad because I want, so since we can't get Eric on the show, I just want you to go to his Instagram and it's at 
littleshopmfg.com. That's littleshopmfg.com. I ain't making it. It's not like we're profiting off this. I want you to see he's got two trucks being built in tandem. All right. He's got a 2016 and a 2017 Duramax. Okay. I don't know if they're Chevys or, or GMCs. It doesn't matter. Same truck. And what he does is he takes the frame and he throws it away. The whole frame gone. Throw it away. Normally you throw the body away. Nope. Frame gone. Wow. Okay. And And the whole exercise is to make a new frame so the truck sits on the ground. All right, so he's going oh, wow. to lower a truck, but he's not he's going to the chassis. He's not going to just, you know, C-notch the rear end yeah. and do all that stuff. He starts with all of the GM data. Okay. And he fabricates a brand new frame 100%. Wow. And it is gorgeous. And I'm I we've talked about this before. I have so much respect for guys who not only CAD designers, but welders. You know, we had Ryan Kibbe on many shows ago, and, and you know, Ryan Kibbe from Kibbe Tech, and he's yep. an amazing TIG welder and builds all kinds of long travel suspension. Well, if you look, are you are you looking at his Instagram? Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Look at the frame, the pieces of the dually frame. There's a dude so to give you perspective. I think it was an intern, and he's and the intern is standing amongst this floor full of pieces of a frame that they have to weld together, and he's about a month away from SEMA, and there's no frame. It's just pieces of of laser truck. of pieces of laser cut frame that needed to be assembled. And the thing is it's brilliant because he knows where all the factory mounting locations are. And then he has to say, well, if I'm going to move the exhaust in or I need to move all of the drivetrain components up or whatever, he has to do this all in advance in the computer. And if you screw it up, you can't go back and do it twice. His uh, dually CAD rendering is pretty awesome with the frame and the uh, and the truck on it. I'm look, looking If at you're it. a sucker for like fabrication. Yeah. This is super sick. Custom, high-end, one-off, all that kind of and he, stuff. And he doesn't show off any of the welding. He, they're all a bunch of teasers, but it is super sick. And when he showed off the first one, I think it was two years ago. It was a 2015 that he built or 2016. Mm-hmm. And I saw it at SEMA. And the truck, you can't even figure out how it has a frame. It looks like you just took the body and set the body on the ground. But it retains all of the the, – the, the truck is super-duper slammed, right? It's all the way down but it retains all the factory geometry because it was designed perfectly in CAD, just like GM would have done it. So it's going to be at SEMA. These will both be at SEMA. All right, well, we gotta, we'll have to, uh, we'll have to uh, track him down. Can you tell him, like, it. I'm a fanboy. Like, yeah. it's freaky. Yeah, I know. You're, I, you are. And I'm so pumped when I when I see this stuff. I know there's some SEMAs you'll go to, and you're like, that's the same old thing. All he did was add, like, four more stacks of light bars. But just the stuff I've seen on Instagram this year, I think SEMA's going to be pretty strong. What is kind of a bummer with a build like this is that when you a lot of guys do frame off right and they and they 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 do some really amazing framework to get it that low, mm-hmm. but this guy's is so amazing and you'll never see it. Yeah. And I thought to myself, if I'm building this truck, I'm putting it on a Lexan platform, five feet in the air. Yeah, the sad so thing so is you'll you never see. It. Yeah, you'll never see it nope. otherwise. Unless you look at his social feeds, yeah. you'll never know what's under that truck. You have no idea. You'll just go, "Wow, that's a bag truck and it's laying frame," but you'll never know the. And work I, that I don't it. even know what it would cost to build this truck. What I don't. What would you guess? Thirty grand for that frame? Oh, way more than that. Way more than that. So you're starting off with a fully loaded eighty thousand yeah. dollar Denali. Let's assume. Oh, it's good. And uh, then you're throwing away the frame. Actually, and then all the labor, you're easily easy one hundred fifty thousand dollars into that. Oh man! Before you even do modifications to the engine and all that fun stuff, I, mean, I just want one of these so bad. I've never. We've talked about drooling. this. I've never. I've never owned a lower truck before. Mm-hmm. 
And this is if I'm going to go like you know I went I went big on my on my yeah. last truck and now I want to go the opposite direction. Yeah. Well, I think it'd be fun. Yeah, but he won't even return your calls because he doesn't need your business. He's been super <laughs> cool. He's just like I don't want to come in and get more publicity. Yeah, and I don't because he's really his. It's a main great f- problem to have, by the way. It is a great problem to have. I just I just was hoping that I could uh, you know sucker him into coming on the show. And he wasn't having it. So remember when you're talking about that uh, that Nissan Titan that was out racing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there there must be more than one out there. Really? Yeah. So uh, one of our listeners tagged his yeah, buddy. I saw. So the one that I saw, I think, was it uh, either Lone Star Throwdown or UCC. One of them, and it was an orange and black truck. And there were two guys that were kind of a team, and one of the dudes was wheelchair bound. Oh, so I don't know. This is uh, so Dave Graham had, had uh, tagged his buddy. He says, uh, "Fellas, you made reference to my buddy Walter Cheney and his brother with their team of Nissan race trucks in the July." Uh, second episode, let's make this interview happen, wink, wink, and oh, then wow. tagged Walter, and Walter hit us back up, said, who would think of racing in Nissan, and then sent me the link. It's uh, it's www.teamvenom.racing, um, but they are racing a gas Titan and then an XD, and it says in there that they have the world's fastest Nissan Titan XD in the eighth mile and the quarter mile. No kidding. So I hit them up to see, and I guess they listen, so hopefully uh, we'll, we'll get with Walter, because I'd love to hear what they're doing with those Titans. I think that's that's pretty awesome. Yeah, no, absolutely. Let's get them on. So uh, so anyway, I'm working on that, and uh, I love the underdog, right? I love people doing something different than anyone else, and the fact that this cross They're going to be feed, the only Nissans out there, you know what I mean? they got to be, right? Because it's a world of, you got, I was just at a diesel event, and yeah. it's it was just, it was all Cummins, just a sure. couple, couple D-Maxes. Yep. Uh, not that many Fords, but it's it's a Cummins world. I don't know. They just it, it's I don't know why. Well, but Nissan Titan XD, five liter Cummins. There it is. <laughs> right. So uh, there it is. So they fit in the family. Uh, so anyway, just just kind of interesting. And we'll work on that and see if we can get those guys on. I think it would be cool. But uh, so anyway, yeah. If you are uh, in the market for a brand new truck, head on down to your local Nissan dealership. Check out the uh, the Frontier. The uh, half-ton Nissan Titan, the half-ton plus Nissan Titan XD. By the way, get that five-liter Cummins in the uh, Titan XD and mm. all Nissan Titans, five-year, 100,000-mile warranty. Ooh, five-year! Five-year! <laughs> <laughs> nobody else out there. I feel there. like we're violating our five-star We mode, totally you know? are, but uh, yeah. n- nobody out there is doing a uh, five-year, 100,000-mile warranty. That is pretty, pretty awesome, plus a lot of truck for the money. There's probably a Nissan dealership in your town that you're not even aware of, okay? And they probably have a massive inventory of all these trucks we're talking about. So you need to go down and check it out with your own eyeballs. And if there's not one in your town, get in whatever crappy truck you're in now and drive there. (laughs) Yes. And go test drive a Nissan Titan because it'll be worth your time. Yes, it will. Five year. What do you say we start the show? Hmm. That's not a bad idea. All right. (laughs) The Truck Show. We're going to show you what we know. What the truck Cause truck rides with The truck show We have the lifted We have the lowered And everything in between We'll talk about trucks that run on diesel And the ones that run on gasoline The truck show The truck show The truck show oh, oh. It's the truck show With your hosts Lightning and Holman got a lot of show for you. We always have a lot of show. Yeah, this one's not abnormally uh, large Marge like some have been. The last one? Yeah. Over two hours? A little ridiculous. <laughs> so I don't know how which, which, if you guys like that kind of thing when we go long or, or what, but we don't really care. We're just I mean, doing it. We're just doing well, it. Well, we hope you listen. So, Holman, if memory serves, Brad Schreiber was the... Oh, hold, don't, don't, don't help me. Come on. You can do this. Performance? Are you looking at paper or are you pulling it out of your mind? 
I was hold on a second. It was performance something manager. Yes, you're close. It's like variation. Oh, very, very awesome very, manager. That's what it was. <laughs> the performance very awesome manager. Hold on, it's gonna kill me. Performance. Variant. Yes. Variant. Variant. Yes. yes. For Chevrolet. Oh, for midsize trucks at Chevrolet. Yeah. So basically his baby is making Colorado's more awesome. <laughs> We're already pretty cool. Your well, sitting outside is pretty cool. Yeah. I got to say that. No, no. So I, I love it. This is, so he's rolling out some info about the new bison with ADV, Yeah. So right? we talked about it on the last podcast because the press release had literally hit when we recorded the show. So I reached out to Brad and said, hey, we just heard about this. You want to come on next week and we can uh, get the inside scoop. So uh, why don't we give him a call and uh, dial? find out all about the AEV dial and smile, Chevy buddy. collaboration. <laughs> um, why do you say that? Because it's cheesy. It's so cheesy. But it's, I know it's cheesy. That's uh, why I say it. All right. Well, as long as our listeners the know that you know it's when, cheesy. Of course. It's, yeah, it comes full circle. Can I dial yet? Or are we still going to talk about yeah, it? Oh, no. Go ahead. All right. I'm smiling. Hello? Mr. Brad Schreiber, Lightning and Holman, Truck Show Podcast. Good evening, gentlemen. How are you? <laughs> We're outstanding. It's Thank you for uh, making some time for us. We appreciate that. We got some uh, news that you might want to share. We talked about it a little bit last week on the uh, podcast with your collaboration with AEV finally uh, out from the dark. And uh, we wanted to talk to you about the new Bison Edition ZR2. Yeah, oh, oh, but Brad's not a lot. lot he's not, he can't talk until we play his intro. Oh, of course. Okay, here we go. I just want you to know... And I have a very strong suspicion that this was an inside job. How do you do what you do? You're the man with the plan and an inside job. And now we present for you someone who's done great things in the automotive industry. This is the inside job. <laughs> That's definitely our worst intro. Yeah, no, I'm not uh, I'm not a big, big fan of that intro. <laughs> no, why do we have I that intro? Brad, we're going to want a redo on this intro. I was going to say, I was expecting you to pull out my former intro. But uh, I, well, I appreciate the effort we, to try to keep it new and real. <laughs> new and fresh. All right. Well, let's talk uh, ZR2 Bison. This has been something in the works for a while, as you alluded to. And it's been a blast to work on. I, I Last time I talked to you about ZR2, I said, you know, once in a lifetime project for sure. And this just continued to build upon it to have a partnership with a company like AEV, um, is not something that happens very often and there was an equal enthusiasm from both sides and it, when we say a collaboration i i think it's in the truest sense of the word where it is not one side dominating the conversation and calling the shots um, from the original design concepts they were in our design studio, working with our folks. A lot of times we hear from like musicians, they go, oh yeah, I did a collabo with so-and-so, but really they're just trading emails and they send a, you know, they send a digital track back and forth from coast to coast as right. they produce this thing and they never even see, you know, they're never even face-to-face. -face. How much time were you guys in the office together? Because that's a true sign of collaboration. Several days a week. Oh, wow. You know, that's um, significant. And it, it is. And, and it's helpful that they're co-located very close to us. They're they're based out of Wixom, Michigan. So here's the it, qualifier, though, Brad. Did they get key card access? Uh, <laughs> no, I don't believe we ever went that. Far. OK, that, they were definitely signing okay. the visitor log because there's key card access. And then there's like marriage. You know what I mean? There's like, that's <laughs> yeah, right, yeah, right, right. They're right. Top next to each other. <laughs> so let's talk about what the uh, the Bison um, ZR2 is all about. So we've got um, brand new full underbody 
boron steel skid plates. I have no idea what that means, other than boron steel sounds really strong, right? So why don't you- It uh, sounds stronger than titanium, <laughs> although I kind of doubt it. I have no idea. Right? Tell us, Brad. So I, although I'm an engineer, I am not a materials engineer. So I'll try to keep it <laughs> high level for all of our benefit. Good, thank you. Um, so basically, it's referring to the process that they use to manufacture these. Instead of just being a, a cold blank that they load into the press, they pound it a couple times until it comes out the shape that we want, throw it on the pile and start the next. Uh, this is actually a process where you preheat the metal. You actually have the dye preheated so that it's more malleable. It'll take the shape better. And then you actually quench the dye with the part in it so that you're getting a hardening effect at the same time. So wow. it, it's you're getting two benefits. You're getting a better formability and you're getting an added strength through this process. And whose idea was it to go through these crazy steps that aren't typical of a truck like this? So credit is definitely due to AV. And when we say that they designed the skid plates, that is absolutely the truth. I mean, they had access to math so that they could pull it up virtually and make sure that they were tying to all the cross members and looking for available holes to put um flag nuts through and whatever else to try to attach them. In some cases, they were basing off of our existing skid plates and saying, okay, the shape works, these attachment points work. We're basically going to replace A with B now. And now you've got this comprehensive skid package that effectively runs from the bottom of the front bumper all the way through the fuel tank and then you've got an additional one on the rear diff. Five, it's five skid plates. It's engine oil uh, or, or oil pan, fuel tank, transfer mm -hmm. case, and then uh, covering the rear differential. The standard ZR2, as badass as it is, does not have a fuel tank skid plate standard from the factory. And you can get that now with the Bison Edition, which is really cool. What I'm picturing in my head, Brad, and this could be way off, is an F1 car. If you flip like a Formula One car upside down, it's basically, oh, there it is. It's flat on the underside, and I'm seeing a photograph now on AEV's website. Wow. So that is really cool. So it is side to side the entire length of the yeah, truck. You could slide. the As long as you're not uh, high but, centered and your wheels are touching the ground, you could literally slide along the belly on these skid plates. I mean, they're they're beefy. They're formed to the truck. I mean, just really, really awesome. In addition to the skid plates, what else are we looking at? I'll start at the front. I mentioned how the skid plates start at the very bottom of that front bumper, and that front bumper is very unique to, to ZR2 and Colorado altogether. Both of those other trucks, the base and ZR2, have effectively a plastic fascia, right, that has the integrated grill. This is a departure from that where the bumper is a legitimate steel independent entity from the body. And, and it has so, fog lights, which are awesome because yes. the ZR2, for ground clearance reasons, are sort of scalloped in the corners for better uh, approach angle. But you don't get driving or fog lights from the factory. So you're only, I mean, the factory headlights are pretty good, but... When I'm off-road, especially at night, I want as much light as possible. The AEV steel bumper actually adds fog lights to it, which I think is another really cool. Flip that uh, around. Let me see that again. See that? Oh, yeah. Wow, that is cool. You're right. And, and that speaks to AEV's 
vision and approach to designing things. They they are known as overlanding vehicle upfitters. And when you are in the middle of absolute nowhere and there's no light to be had, you want to be able to throw as much light from your vehicle as possible so that you don't get into trouble. And so that was one of the things that they were adamant they wanted to be able to put a fog lamp onto the truck. Now, were they giddy to get all this direct access to your files and whatnot? You know, I know that GM has a really good program by which upfitters can get access to some CAD data, um, but they basically had the keys of the castle on this project, correct? They did. Yeah. So if you want to take a little trip back in time with me, I'll kind of walk you through how all of this transpired. Oh, I wish I had some harp music. <laughs> Want to go back in time? Um, if the, if, if this was video, we'd have it all foggy. Looking, yeah, oh, right? yeah. yeah. we step out of the fog. The, the dream sequence. Yeah. <laughs> Dang, I don't I, have that. Sorry, I Brad. would say uh, <laughs> at least three, four years ago, you know, through interactions at places, particularly like SEMA, places where AEV and GM both have a strong representation, they caught the eye of executives They've been on the radar of the truck enthusiasts within the organization. And the more time we spent, the more we saw their products up close, the, the quality, the craftsmanship, attention to detail was apparent. And, and basically, it was another stroke of management saying, look, this is, is a key partnership that we need to target. To, to try to bolster our brand. Fast forward a couple months, we finally get AEV coming on board. We bring them out to the proving grounds and they were coming in blind. They, they knew they were gonna be talking mid-sized truck, Chevrolet Colorado. They show up and, and they were giddy uh, to, to be invited in and hosted by GM, given they're traditionally tied in with FCA products. They were already enamored with the Colorado and the Z71 and saw it as a great platform to build upon. So we walked them out to the garage to show them a ZR2. This is probably a year and a half before reveal. Okay. That's, which is super early. Anybody in the automotive right. space to trust anyone on the outside, let alone your partners with seeing an actual product that early is basically doesn't happen. Very, very rare cases. You have a trusted person you want to bring in for feedback a very small group, typically not outsiders. So to bring in another company to upfit the thing you just upfitted that nobody's seen yet is <laughs> pretty big deal. Upfit the upfitted? <laughs> yeah. And so you can imagine how the things that they had on their wish list and suggestion list to apply to Z71, when we show them the ZR2 that has the lift, that has the lockers, has skid plates, their excitement level easily doubled. I did mean, anyone, they, they did anyone faint and fall over? <laughs> not quite. Not quite. And from there, it was, it was just a, a running collaborative effort. It, they went back and revised and given the aggressive stance of the truck, changed the appearance of the bumpers and the flares, and, and basically it quickly evolved into the, the truck that you see today in all the images. Obviously, we previewed that last year at SEMA as a concept. 
And that was very true to the form. And basically, those bumpers are the same bumpers that you'll be able to purchase beginning next year. And we talked about the uh, front bumper. It also has a rear AEV bumper on it with tow hooks with the tubular rock protection. Oh, and we forgot to mention the front bumper also has provisions for a winch. So from the factory, allows you to put in your your favorite aftermarket winch in there. So steel bumpers, front and rear, uh, AV wheels, bigger fender flares, which I think look really cool. The plastic fender flares there on the ZR2, they're sort of like a lip. These look like a proper four-wheel drive uh, fender flare. And then uh, they're offering through AEV, outside of uh, Chevy, uh, a snorkel for it as well that you could add to the package, which is which is super bitching. So you get the uh, the front and rear steel bumpers, you get the full skid plating, you get the AV wheels, you get AV badging on the outside, which is crazy because GM is very very particular and protective of its brands, and co-branding isn't something you see a lot. Especially you may see Rancho shocks with a sticker underneath the vehicle. You don't see Rancho shocks on the door. Right. You know, things like that, right? So to see AEV actually on the vehicle and to see Bison on the vehicle is pretty cool. It has the Chevrolet grill where it's spelled out, Chevrolet, sort of like on the new custom Silverados for people who just saw the 19 Silverados. Which I think looks really cool. Yeah, definitely. And then on the inside, there's a couple like where it says ZR2 on the standard ZR2 embroidered in the headrest. Uh, headrest. It's actually the AEV logo. It's the Bison, right? Yeah. Which yeah. is which Correct. is. I mean, that's that's. This is really a collaboration. Yeah. I mean, that's amazing to see GM open up for that much collaboration in a co-branding. Really, I've never seen it before in in another vehicle. Well, it's, it's really cool to see you guys do this. I mean, in the in the apparel world, this has been going on for over a decade. You know. So, Brad, when does uh, the new uh, version of the ZR2 come out? I know it's a, it's labeled a nineteen. So. Are they going to be limited production? Is it going to be the first X amount of people? Is there going to be... Is it a special order? Yeah. How, how's that going to work? You've got to know somebody on the inside. No, it's... <laughs> well, that sucks. Hey, Brad, I'll call you later. <laughs> the plan is that they should be arriving at dealers right after the first of the year. Do we know so price it, yet? It, we have not announced that yet. Stay tuned. I, we're probably about a month out from that. Okay. Uh, I know uh, that there is a uh, media drive coming up that I will hopefully be a part of, Ooh. so I will find out more then. Remind me, Holman, what was the uh, what's the base price of the ZR2? Um, that would be great if I had that on <laughs> If it was right working now. on your computer. Do you remember, Brad, what the base is? Just roughly? Just, you know, give or take a couple grand? So you can get into a, a gas extended cab for just over 42000 This is exclusively through Chevy dealers, correct? Correct. Okay. This is not just a, an exercise, and they ship the bumpers in. We bolt it together, put the, the window sticker on, and roll it off to the dealership. I mean, this has been collaborative, as I said, every step of the way to the point that this is fully validated, fully warranted, just like all of your other Colorados are. But yeah, way better designed. looking. But way better looking, <laughs> yeah. I wonder if you can color match those fender flares, or would that be dumb because you're just going to scrape the paint off? Well, you're going to really yeah, off-roading I mean, it. There will be people who want to do it, but yeah, I, I like it. I like them the way they are. I like them unpainted. Um, the cool thing about these fender flares are they extend, they extend out for better coverage. So, I, Brad, does the do the wheels have a different offset than the factory ZR2 wheels to to widen the track at all, or do those they stay actually, the same? They don't. Okay. No. So between the just the the face design of the wheel and the flare themselves, it's a bit of a an optical illusion. Yeah. That that makes things look different proportionally than a standard ZR2. 
Man, it's a that, it's just a cool looking. It truck. looks aggressive, which I like. Yeah, you know, and I like this because when I first saw the ZR2, one of the things I didn't like was the 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 front end with the way the the grill dips into the plastic fascia. It's almost like too much grill and not enough tire. The way that the Bison version of the ZR2 is with the bigger fender flares, the nice cut line under the grill so that that steel bumper can be there, it just proportionally it sort of solves that a little bit. And with uh, Ranger. Uh, coming out soon, uh, Ford's big push was, "Hey, we have a steel bumper on our truck." So, you know, it's nice. <laughs> Beat them to the punch. It's nice for uh, for Chevy to to have a little uh, a little magic of their own for the off road world because we all like having steel bumpers because they're easier to upfit in the aftermarket and I just usually look better and easier to mount things. The fact that you can put a winch provision, you're not cutting away plastic in order to do all the things right. you want to do. It's just it's just a way better solution for the people who are going to take them out into the backcountry and use right. it. Right. Brad, congrats on this thing. Thank you. No, I thank you for being excited. Uh, hopefully the rest of the community feels the same way, and we've got bidding wars going for these trucks. This has been a lot of fun. It's been a hard secret to keep because you <laughs> want to talk about it. Uh, I, can, I remember back at SEMA last year as people were saying, oh, man, we've got to build it. And you're just sitting there biting your tongue because that's what you do when you're <laughs> on the inside. But that validation's got to be nice. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, these trucks have proven themselves, and we've we've taken them to basically all the spots that ZR2 has. We've had AV along. We had them along even before we had functional bison parts just so they could get a a feel for the truck you may say they were looking for the shortcomings okay what do we need to work around or sort of boilerplate to to help this thing if we're putting our name on it and the reality is they were shocked and and i I were some of the first in the truck and blown away by what it could i can back that up so dave harrington is one of the founders of aev had said that he was so blown away with the zr2 as a platform that he wanted to do something. It was the first time that he had really done something outside of the FCA group where he was so impressed that he wanted to be a part of that. And, and I mean, that's high praise because if you know Dave, he's very particular about his vehicles and very particular. AV is another one of those brands that has very high standards and, and a lot of brand protection. So to see these two great brands come together and, and put out a product for the enthusiast, man, that's, that's awesome for everybody. So congratulations, and I'm sure we'll be talking soon because I know there's some more, uh, more news to come. Is Brad. the truck Holman on Chevy site yet, or is it just AEV? Because you've got the AEV site. She- you get, a, uh, I believe, on Chevy site, there's a landing page, and then AEVconversions.com as well. You can find out about it. But if you just uh, Google ZR2 Bison, and then we'll put some links up on our socials as well, at Truck Show Podcast. Awesome. Appreciate that, guys. Thank right, you, brother. Brad. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. All right. All right take care. Uh, Teddy Bear, you got your ears on over there, Teddy Bear. This is Black Hawk over. That's a big negative. I haven't seen Teddy Bear at all, but you got uh, <laughs> you got Titanic Wiener over here. <laughs> Titanic. <laughs> my name was <laughs> my name was Black Hawk. Black Hawk. <sighs> you know what it's time for? Us uh, to get real jobs. <laughs> What's new in trucks? We need to know. What's new in trucks? We need to know. What's new in trucks? We need to know. Lifted, lowered, and everything in between. What's happening in the world of trucks? Oh, oh that felt good. Oh, that was good. That was solid. What you got for me, Mr. Holman? Uh, man, we got, uh, we got a few cool things going on this week. Uh, over on uh, fourwheeler.com and uh, trucktrend.com, you can check out the uh, 2019 Raptor. One of the upgrades is their uh, new trail control feature, which is like cruise control for off-roading. 
And uh, so they have a video on how it works, which is uh, pretty cool to watch. So for those people who want to concentrate on steering the truck and don't want to have to worry about throttle inputs, uh, basically the truck will manage all the traction and throttle and allow you to just point and shoot. So do you actually take your foot off yep. the gas? Yeah. Whoa. You just set what speed you want and the truck will maintain that. I think for a guy like me- autonomous rock crawling. I know, but I was going to say, this is the only place I see value personally. Did Google make this car? Like what? No, no. But here, listen, this is what's cool. I will tell you, I will never use it. Unless this is where I find value in it. What's cool is, say you're stuck in the sand. Yep. Not stuck, stuck to where you can't get out. Yep. But you're on the verge. Okay. You can use this system. How do I know when I'm on the verge? How do I know when I'm- Well, if you're- Putting you know your foot down and sand's shooting up in the uh, in the air, but then I'm stuck. Stuck. No, no, no. Not if you don't. If you're not high centered. If you got room between your frame rails and the uh, and the earth, there's still a little bit of hope left. And okay. most human drivers will totally screw that up by just hammering down because they think the more throttle. This trail control will actually help you pop out of that little predicament. Interesting. Very cool because they can I'd obviously like make see, these. Where could I see a video of that? Uh, again, trucktrend.com <laughs> or fourwheeler.com. <laughs> and for those of you who are interested in the 2019 uh, Ram 1500, we actually have a, uh, a recent drive that just got posted to trucktrend.com of the new uh, 5.7 Hemi version with uh, eTorque, which is their mild hybrid. So uh, if you've been interested in kind of what that's like to drive and stuff, check out the story on Trucktrend. There are a lot of Hemi fans, aren't there? A ton of Hemi fans, yeah. I just Why? don't know if there'll be Why? Hemi fans with an electric motor added. No, I'm mean, sorry. No, no, yeah, I was going to ask that as a follow up: is will they still be Hemi fans, knowing that there's an electric motor bolted on? But what made the Hemi popular and so great um, marketing? Oh, I think number one, that thing got a Hemi. Everybody remembers those commercials. But it was the first. It was the engine that sort of brought uh, Ram into the mainstream and made them competitive with everybody else. Just a hemispherical uh, piston, correct? Or cylinder head? Or Yeah, but it's not... The, the current engine's not a true Hemi in the sense... It's more marketing than, than engineering speak. The original Hemis were actually hemispherical. The, the current truck isn't quite that. Uh, but great marketing, and it has a name, and people love it. Uh, so in order to make it better, uh, Ram has now added a 48-volt battery pack and a belt-driven electric motor on top of the engine. And so, How big is it? Is it a big? Can no. I see the motor, or is it? Yeah, yeah. It, it sits in a box that's uh, about yay big. You are listening, and you can't see how big my hands are. <laughs> you uh, describing like a van shoebox. It's shoe like box. a 10-inch by 10-inch or something like that. just okay. sits right on top next to the intake, like where your alternator would be. And it's got a big, fat belt around it. And basically what it does is anybody who drives a Hemi is familiar with how peaky the engines are. They're, so it's belt-driven. Interesting. Belt-driven, yeah. I was thinking it would have to be direct. Right no. To, okay. You know, the old GM hybrid uh, full-size trucks had like a sandwich motor between the uh, transmission and the engine where the bell housing would go. Okay. This doesn't do that. This adds a motor on top of the engine then uses the belt to drive through the crank. So it's it's a fascinating setup. Um, I, I think the marketing's brilliant. They're not calling it a hybrid. They're calling it e-torque. So now it's something totally got, different, yeah, right? But and it's also kind of a manly anything it's to, e-torque. Tor- well, it's, torque. Yes, yeah. yeah, exactly. So they're smart about that. But what it does basically is if you're used to how the Hemi sort of a peaky engine, right? Like it doesn't have a lot of low-end grunt compared to some of the other uh, engines that are out there. Like a two-stroke but, motorcycle. But it makes a ton of high-end power. Like passing is good and all that. But when towing a trailer, I've always wished for a little more low-end grunt. Well, what the e-torque does is it sort of fills in that valley of power before the engine hits its efficiency and power band. And so you feel it meaty all the way through. How You've driven that before, right? I have not dri- oh, driven that's, that one yet. Oh, So um, 
That's why I'm, I'm dying to know how it feels. Yeah, I'll, I'll get in one soon enough, but the, uh, I've been so busy lately, I just we sent somebody else on this trip. So read his story, trucktrend.com. Um, I think that's uh, it's pretty interesting. It's new technology, and man, that Ram's a that's a heck of a nice truck too. It's a beast. Yeah, it'll it'll be uh, be interesting to see. There's everybody for 2019 has some stuff going on, <laughs> so it's going to be a fun year for for truck people. And then uh, we should also bring up uh, just from the safety side of the fence. Um, we don't have a safety side of the fence, so we don't have to bring up this. Well, I mean, I, yeah. I'll, all right, go ahead. Yes, I'm just curious now. Well, Ford recalled two million F-150 pickup trucks. <laughs> yeah, right. So uh, it's the uh, 2015 to 2018 F-150 regular cab and super cabs. It's the uh, driver Why? and passenger front pretensioner. Oh, on a seatbelt. Yeah. According to a Ford investigation, there were some uh, pretensioners that generate excessive sparks when deployed, and then the gases that get exhausted when it activates could. Uh, ignite something inside the vehicle, okay. something to trim and stuff. When you say recall, this is not like the eco diesel when they said, uh, we need your we're not selling these vehicles. No, and no, we're no. gonna go park them on a lot somewhere in Washington. Yeah, no, yes, this it just means go to your local dealership and we're gonna fix yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. They have ah, well, there's been seventeen reports logged in the US and Canada, but no injuries of reports or fires. It's just like a precautionary thing and Ford wants to make sure they take care of uh all their customers. So if you have a twenty fifteen to twenty eighteen Ford F one fifty, I'm sure you'll get a recall notice in the mail. You'll want to check that out. And it's really interesting that whole recall thing is I have a friend that works for Toyota in the recall department. And he, I'm sorry, Honda in the recall department. And he flies all around the world, not just the country, the world, enforcing recalls at the dealership level. Yeah. And it's, uh, I didn't know it was such a big business. It's an entire it, thing. It's a, it is a thing. And I know if you guys work at dealerships around the automotive industry, you already know what I'm talking about. And this is a big, big deal because the average person like me, dude, I have a stack of recall notices for, for various vehicles that I've owned, and I rarely go and get them fixed. And they start trying to incentivize me yeah. to go in to get the recall done. So I, they're spending so much money trying to get me in there just to fix my, one of my airbags or the little cushion in the, the, uh, the sensor in my seat that activates or deactivates my passenger seat um, airbag. And I just find it fascinating the, the tens of millions of dollars they're spending in, in, in just marketing money. Just postage. Yeah, just to make sure just people bring their trucks. Just trying in. to get the message yeah. to me. Yeah. Well, I always like the dealerships that are proactive, that when you make an appointment, they know your vehicle's coming in and they already have the recall parts. Nothing makes me more mad than when I have a recall. And re recalls aren't that big of a deal. You, uh, you take it in, and hopefully the same day you're getting your oil change, they'll fix whatever it is, and you're back on the road, no big deal. But I've been there where they're like, oh, you know, your truck has a recall on it. Oh, I didn't. Well, we don't have any of the parts, so come back next week. That's ridiculous. When I call in and make an appointment, they know that truck's coming. Why don't they have that and automatically take care of it when it's there? That's and that's a software issue. A lot of these companies that I have a dealership a friend, issue. I it's think. A, yeah, so it's a dealership issue, and I have a friend that sells software to dealerships. He flies around the country selling these suites of of software that will help dealers keep up on yeah. things like this because some are just this side of like paper receipts. Right. You know. Right. Right. So anyway, yeah, if you got one of those 2015 to 2018 F-150s, make sure you swing by the dealer and get that looked at, and uh, they'll, they'll fix your truck free of charge. And uh, yeah, so that's it in the, uh, in the world of trucks. You just ran out of steam, didn't you? <laughs> that recall just took it out of you. That was sad. Yeah. I was sad. I'm always sad when trucks get recalls. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. But I mean, you think about it, you know, in this day and age, these vehicles have like hundreds of thousands of parts. What does it take? Like 
20 hours to make a truck or something like that. And I don't know. How um, long does it take? It depends on the manufacturer. Yeah. I don't know. Two hours to make a truck. <laughs> I mean, they roll off the assembly line like, you know, Ford. Think about it. Ford sells a million trucks a year. Just take all they the They got to be doing like 200 a day. Oh, it's got to be. No. no hey, way more than that. It's got to be way more than that. Okay, hold on. So if there's, if there's 2 million. Well, I know that they sold, I think it was. Oh, 1 million. Sorry, I'm, I'm lying to myself. It's 1 million, right? So if you have one million divided by three sixty-five, that's two thousand seven hundred and forty trucks a day. Oh my God! Okay, divide that by twenty-four wait, 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 hours. Are they doing a million? They're not doing a million. How many Ford F one fifties are they putting out a year? Well, Super Duties and F one fifties together are really close to a million. That's a hundred and fourteen an hour, all twenty-four-seven. Oh my God! So the fact that you might have a recall here and there, <laughs> I totally understandable. Oh my God! Yeah. So we're never going to get exact stats, you know, to show us how many they're making because they don't usually yeah. share that stuff. But we can find out how many were sold. Oh, I have the list here. Oh, okay. So why the, don't we just do like top five? Top five. Okay. okay. So the top five best-selling trucks of 2017. Of 2017. Okay. All right. All right. All right. So uh, number five, Toyota Tacoma. Okay. <laughs> oh wait, that should have waited. We should have waited till number one, huh? Yeah, I would save that for number one. Oh, too late. All right, well, whatever. <laughs> All right, so uh, the Toyota Tacoma, one ninety eight. Okay, one hundred ninety eight thousand. Two two hundred thousand. Two hundred thousand. Two hundred thousand. All right. Okay. Uh, GMC Sierra. All right. So I kn- I know the GMC Sierra wishes they sold as many as the Chevy Silverado. Of course. So I'm gonna guess three fifty. 217. Oh, okay. 217. Right. 217. Respectable. Okay. Uh, number three is Ram. Okay. 500,000. Ooh, wow. 500. Rushing GMC. So that is like 70 something an hour. Chevrolet Silverado. 70 an hour. Just It just yeah. occurred to me. 70 an hour to, to, make, to sell that many. Holy mackerel. Okay. 24 yeah. 7. Right, 585,000. Wow. Ford? Yes. F series? Yep. 896,000. 896,000. <laughs> <laughs> so then of so course 896,000 divided by 365 days as if they were open every day of the year yeah. would be how many Ford trucks per day. Okay, so so let's just call it 900,000. Right, fine, right? Fine. Make it easy, right? Sure. So 900,000 divided mm-hmm. by a year, 365. That's almost 2500 trucks a day. Oh my lord. Divided by 24 sure. hours in a day. That's 102 trucks an hour. Oh, my Lord. Now, wait a minute. They're not open uh, 24-7, are they? Uh, are these depends. lines going 24-7? Yeah, not necessarily because maybe they'll have uh, two shifts. Sometimes if something's a hot seller, they'll have three. Uh, Ford has a couple different plants. So here's what's interesting, though, because all the GM guys freak out. They're like, yeah, but Ford includes everything, and, and you should wrap up GMC and Chevy together because they would beat Ford. Okay. No, they wouldn't. Uh, okay, that's that's a interesting logic. Sure. Ford again, eight hundred ninety-six thousand. Right. GMC and Chevy together, eight hundred two. Ooh. So still smoking them. Doesn't doesn't hold water. Sorry, no. GM boys. <laughs> but uh, that's a lot of trucks. That's a lot per hour. Oh, like, could you imagine? That's a that would be amazing. I I, to- ever I said there's... it before, and I will say it again. I would love to go to one of these lines, and I know and I just can make watch them come off the line. I'd be fascinated. I'd be the guy with the jaw on the ground. I bet Tim would get us in. 
I would do it in a heartbeat. I've been to the Ford Dearborn plant. It's amazing. It's uh, it's pretty cool. They have like a visitor deck above the assembly line floor where you can look down and watch all the trucks I'm being in. made. That's super cool. I'm in. And it's uh, like a super, it was like one of the first Energy Star compliant factories and like the roof is sawed with plants on it. I'm still in. It's just it's just a really neat place. Um, I bet we can get into the GM factory. We could, You know what? We could probably go see uh, Nissan Titans being built down in Canton. Hell yeah. We should arrange that. Little trip to Canton, Mississippi, to watch uh, some Nissan trucks being built. Listen, I'm in. All right, I'm in. I, I the the factory is awesome. It's a it's a if you've never done it before, watching them get made and then talking to some of the people on the line is really neat. Dude, I got it. Here's right. what we're gonna do. All right, we're going to give away a trip for two, and those for two someone, being you and me. Nope, nope. We're okay. going to give away to one of our listeners uh-huh. for uh their for them and a guest. Okay. To join us at Nissan for a plant tour, and who's paying for this? You're gonna call Nissan and see if they'll <laughs> see if they'll they'll front. Okay, we should probably not put any of this part in the podcast. Uh, no, That's no, no, because if we put it in the podcast, they'll be forced to do it. <laughs> Is that how that works? Yes. And Nissan resigned for a second year. Is that how, is that, how that works? <laughs> it's called the presumptive close, my uh, friend. You just assume they're going to do it and you force them to do it. I think that might be cool, though. It's yes. Look, here's Nissan. If you're listening. Holman and I are going to go tour the plant on our own dime anyway. By the way, I guarantee you Nissan's listening. Okay. Well, f- they, li- listen. they listen to every episode. We want to go. We want to go. We're enamored with your product, and we want to go see it being built. There's no bigger compliment. I, I want to spend my free time at your facility. People say we don't do enough Facebook Lives of us. We should do one at the uh, plant as uh, trucks are coming down the line. Blast. That'd be pretty cool. I, yes. So, Nissan, I, I, you don't have to give us a free trip for the listeners, but I think that would be really cool. All right. Let's, you and I should go down there for sure. What's the, what's the, don't don't backpedal now. All right. Let's see if they'll do it. All right. And if they won't, people hear us coming up with us on the air. If Nissan says no, we can't do that. You're putting us in a bad spot by asking us to spend money. Okay, we get it. No big deal. No harm, no foul. We can ask. Yeah, we can absolutely ask. All right, let's do that. All right, are you ready for rejection, though? <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I, I'm married, so yes. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, hold hold on. da 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 if I were 85 right now, yeah. <clears throat> I'd be wearing uh, like white socks. For, I'd to be your wearing knees. like slippers and white socks to my knees. Velcro, sh- like black Velcro shoes. Uh, yeah, like yeah, the, those Velcro yeah. slippers exactly. And then I would also, I'd be, uh, I'd be uh, eating some um, some rice pudding. Yeah, and I'd be would watching. You be, would you be warming up your milk? No, I think I'm just doing rice pudding tonight. Okay, all right. How about Murder She Wrote? And then I'm not in Murder She Wrote. Oh. I think I'm watching like. Star Matt Trek, Locke. Star Trek: Next Generation. No, 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 you're not. You're because no, I'm a hip 85 year old. Are you? Yeah. No, no, no. The 85 year old we're about to talk to. Yeah. That's a hip 85 year old. Yeah, it's absolutely <laughs> true. Dick Lanfield. We uh, uh, we cannot even compare ourselves no. at our age with Dick. Dick He's is kicking our asses. Dick is racing in the Baja 1000. I this know. Year. I know. All right, well, let's give him a call and figure out what that's okay, all about. Dial. Make sure we don't forget the intro. Well, you know, I'm going to play it now because he might be a little offended. Yeah, this I, w- is, uh, I would be if I were 85. I, uh, we'll play this before we start. Hit <laughs> Yo, the truck show. <laughs> who dis? Who dis? Who the hell is this? A truck show interview you don't want to miss. We talk to top dogs <laughs> in the industry. How'd you blow up? How'd you come to be? Who dis? Who dis? Truck show represent. What kind of phone do you think he has? I mean, is it like the kind with the yeah, you dial? The rotary dial? Yeah. Rotary dial? Yeah. Oh. Hello. Dick, it's Lightning and Holman from the Truck Show Podcast. 
Yeah. <laughs> How you doing? Dynamite. <laughs> Fantastic. We are so excited to speak with you. Can, can you hear us, Dick? Yeah, I can hear you fine. Okay, fantastic. So Dick Holman and I are looking at each other just thinking, we haven't done anything in this world. We just have not accomplished anything, and, uh, and, and you're running circles around us, Dick. No, this, that was a, uh, this last race was a bucket race. Uh, just something I had to do. I hadn't uh, driven a race in probably 15, 18 years, and I decided... Hey, one more time. So we put the Raptor together, and Bill and I decided to run the thousand. That was it. So, uh, so Dick Lanfield, for those of you who don't know who are listening to the show right now, is actually an, a member of the Off-Road Hall of Fame, as is his co-driver Bill Savage. Uh, so they both go way back in uh, in racing history. And, and, Dick, you're the owner of Fairway Ford. Is that correct? Here in California? That's, cor- that's correct, yes. So one of the cool things about Dick that, uh, that I'm really impressed with as somebody who's followed off-road racing for a long time. Not the fact that he was born in 1933. Is that correct, Dick? 32. Yep. 1932. <laughs> <laughs> which, which that's, that's awesome. Um, in 1991... Dick developed the idea for the uh, off-road racing sort of multi- first multi-truck team. There had been a lot what, of private. What do you mean multi-truck team? Well, there had been a lot of privateers, and there had been some corporate stuff, but never like a cohesive team where everybody, you know, think of like a like Indy car D- or classes. Uh, Dick, yeah, there were, there were different classes back then, but it, it was the Ford Rough Riders, and so for anybody who knows the history of of off-road racing, the Rough Riders in the '90s were the team. Uh, it was the first time all the drivers were dressed the same, the whole pit crew and everybody was dressed the same, and all the trucks had the same livery or paint scheme on it. It was, it was awesome. It was the white truck with the uh, blue top and red swoosh through it, if, if you're familiar with that. How did that come about, Dick? Well, the whole idea of it was that it was almost impossible to get sponsorship at that time. Off-road racing was at its, its start, and... Nobody had enough money to really compete. So I had this idea that if you could go to a sponsor and guarantee him a win at every race, you had something you could sell. That's a great sales pitch, but by the way. How could you guarantee that, though, back then, Dick? Or was, so, Were you that far superior? Oh, by yeah, having all so, these classes. Ah. So it was, it was simple. We just got a... a Top driver in every class, and we um, band together. And we called it the Rough Riders, and we sold Ford on the idea that we would have a winner in every race, and they could advertise the fact Ford wins the Baja 500, Ford wins the Mint, Ford wins the 1000. Now it. We're not saying which class or which car or anything. <laughs> brilliant. Right, right. But we would have a winner. That is a brilliant plan. Yeah, and the thing went over so good that we were able to go to Ford uh, sponsors like uh, the paint company and like BFG, and we were able to generate enough funds that truthfully it didn't cost Ford a penny. And we went out there and 
we really dominated the desert. The name of a program that I submitted to Ford at that time was Desert Dominance. And it turns out that it was true. It absolutely was. I remember in my high school auto shop class, there was a Rough Riders poster, and it was Rough Riders, The Best Never Rests, and it was a picture of the entire team. And I don't know what circuit it was, but a good friend of mine, Bob Bauer, is in the picture looking way younger oh, than he yeah, does today. Bob, Bobby Bowers. <laughs> yeah, we all yeah. we all love Bob. Rob McCachran got you know, he that's when he first started. Oh my gosh. You know, I mean all these guys. But I remember this picture had like six or seven semi trucks all painted the same, all the chase vehicles. I wanna say there was like seven or eight race vehicles. Then you probably had a hundred people all dressed together in the same way on the crew. And then all the drivers, probably 10 or 12 drivers in the foreground. And it was just this, like, you know, drop the mic statement piece where this poster showed these guys out in the desert and it was like a car for every class. Everybody was dressed. I mean, it was just, it was professional, but it was like, you know, to, to Dick's point, just exuded dominance. And then it had, you know, Swift Motorsports and Simon and Simon Racing and BF Goodrich and American Racing and like all these great names along with Ford. It was. I mean, it was awesome. I just I look back, and every kid in high school had a pre owner wanted their Ford truck to be painted like the Rough Riders. Does that still exist, Rough Riders? Yeah, and you should have seen it when we'd pull into a town. <laughs> oh, I bet. Oh, I can only imagine. It's yeah. uh, This is pre-NASCAR team, right? Now, now the NASCAR teams have that whole look and feel, but back then, I'm guessing really not that many uh, race teams were doing that, if any. No. We'd pull into town with... You know, eight or ten semis and 40 cars. Oh, my Lord. You know, chase vehicles and and, uh, race vehicles, all painted alike, and everybody in uniform. You know, we we came into town and people were agaw. Can you imagine all those, everything looking the same? It must have looked like their town was being taken over. I mean, you guys roll into town and... Uh, either the locals get excited because they're selling a lot more steaks that night, or uh, or they're afraid because they don't know who has a that you know a fleet that big that's coming to their little piece of the world. Right. When did you start racing, Dick? How did this happen? I first started racing in in the army. Uh, I <laughs> I guess it's been long long enough they won't bust me now. You start you were racing uh, in the army? Yeah. How like how <laughs> white what? I had a carburation and ignition section, and we were over in Germany. This is during uh, the Korean War. And on weekends, the officers used to race their Jeeps in, in the Black Forest. We had a couple of pretty nice trails out there to race. So they'd all come to me and want me to tune up their Jeeps. You couldn't go too far because if if you went beyond military specs, you were in really hot trouble. They had to be, you know, ready for for combat, combat ready. So you, what what kind of parts could you change out without getting in trouble on these jeeps? Nothing except I had a lieutenant, which was a great guy, and uh, he managed to get me ahead and a spare distributor and a carburetor. So we took 60,000s or 40,000s off the head and poured it and relieved it. Were those uh, <laughs> M38s at the time, or was that still old flat fenders? The old flathead Jeep. Okay, all right. 
I, I owned a 51 CJ3A and uh, had the flathead four-cylinder, and when those things were tuned right, they ran just like little sewing machines. They were so, just had a great sound to them. I just I love that engine, love those Jeeps. And I, I reworked the, the distributor, put uh, different springs in it, put a little more advance in it, and uh, the carburetor, we put bigger jets on it. And Friday night would work all night just installing a new, the head and distributor and carburetor. And Saturday, he'd race the hell out of it and beat everybody. <laughs> and Saturday, Saturday night, would put it back together to be, you know, combat ready. Were there any commanding officers who caught wind of this and decided just to keep one? No. Like, no? No? Okay. If, uh, we all would have been court-martialed. <laughs> really? Wow. It was that serious? Oh, yeah. I couldn't screw with a combat vehicle. <laughs> Could you, if, if, if you found one, would you buy it? One of these original hopped up Jeeps? Do they, do you think oh, they still I, exist? I, I don't think that they exist. That's 1955, man. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you never know. You never know. Uh, that's when I first got started on off road. Then when I got my dealership in Placentia, it was, it was unique. We were out in the middle of an orange grove and nobody could could find us. So we didn't sell Mustangs and Squire wagons and Galaxies. We sold unique vehicles. We sold four by fours with tires and wheels and lift kits that nobody else was selling. Broncos with roll bars and etc. So people were coming from San Diego and from out in the valley to buy a Fairway Ford Bronco or a Fairway Ford 150. And one of my salesmen had a Strop Bronco. By the way, one of my favorite Broncos of all time, and anybody who's listening who doesn't know the history of the Strop Bronco, Google it. Um, very special, very cool, and very ahead of the time. You think of it as what the Raptor is today to the F-150 lineup is what the Strop Bronco was to the Bronco. If I remember this correctly, going through your bio... In 1972, you uh, were one of the founding members of the first Association of Independent Racers, or FAIR, and you were racing Ford Couriers back then, so you were sort of the first person to really take a mini truck and turn it into a race truck. Right. And then you uh, basically started um, the pre-runner trend by selling or, or equipping trucks to make to look like the race trucks. Is that correct? Yeah. I, we built uh, one of my... Early friends and good friends was Walker Evans, and uh, so I built a replica of his truck, and we we sold those. Uh, I don't know how many of those we sold, and uh, we sold a lot of these uh, replicas of uh, race trucks, and we sold them as uh, not really a race truck, but they had. Springs, double shocks, roll cage, or roll bar at least. Enough to uh, give you the feel of the race truck, or at least uh, the vibe, and get you into a little bit of trouble if you wanted to have some fun, right? Yeah, and, and the look. And the look, of course. And at that time, Dick, really, you were way ahead of the game. I mean, other dealerships were probably very, very conservative and did not understand what in the heck you were doing. Well, it, it got so good that we opened up a factory called Rollong. We were building these replicas and selling them on the West Coast. We were, we were building 
probably 60 trucks a month. Holy mackerel. Was that the, the roll-along that did the, uh, the, the sort of the luxury conversions uh, on the big trucks as well? Yeah. I had no idea that was that was you. As well. if so we're lo- we're looking at each other right now, Dick, going yeah. what? Everyone, yeah, this. yeah. A, a roll along truck was sort of like it was obviously upfitted, but it was sort of the first luxury pickup truck. I mean, this is on the old body style Fords in the late '80s, uh, mid '80s, where it had a very unique look. It had upgraded wheel and tire package. It had running boards. It had like the the handles between the doors to get up into the truck had a almost like a conversion van of that era interior in a truck and it was really a precursor to today's luxury pickup trucks yeah and we were, we were selling them all. they were everywhere all, all the way back east yeah you you would roll you know i remember being in a truck going down the freeway and you'd see the guy in the roll along next to you and you'd go, oh, that's a nice truck. <laughs> you know, and, and I, I wish I was in a truck that nice. So were you there at the founding of SEMA as an organization? Yep. yep. Mm-hmm. And I believe the first SEMA show was at Dodger Stadium. Uh, first SEMA show? Yeah. I think it was in the Dodger Stadium parking lot if I... I heard it was under the grandstands. It was under the grandstands, at, yeah. Does that sound right, Dick? Were you there? It was, it was more than under the grandstand. I mean, we we had uh, we had displays everywhere. Did you know that it would become what it is today, the organization, and and the and the and the, and the car culture and what's happened? I mean, did you foresee this? The best man at my wedding and one of my best friends was Mickey Thompson. Oh wow! And uh, you know, I, I co-drove with him, and there was a man with wisdom and goals that went on forever and uh, a legend oh, oh yeah oh, yes uh, the biggest legend that there ever was when i first met him i couldn't stand him <laughs> really interesting oh oh yeah strop teamed him up with me uh, i was on a co-drive in a strop pickup with him and uh, oh this guy is an idiot. <laughs> yeah, was I mean, was he arrogant or what? Oh, arrogant! And you know, he said, "Well, we're going to take this pickup and we're going to drive it over the wall, straight up the wall, across the ceiling, and down the other side." <laughs> yeah, and I'd look at him, and he never did it. But he set his goal so high, he got up higher than anybody else. <laughs> uh, it's interesting to hear those types of stories because I, I think uh, a lot of people in our audience. Love to hear that, and, and they don't know the history and how, how this, this uh, passion for racing enthusiasm in the Southern California desert racing culture, how it was infectious to the rest of the nation in terms of enthusiasts and, and trucks, but also how, what a tight-knit community it was at the same time. Everybody knew each other, and when you went down to Baja to race, you knew your competitor very well, and, it, and you put your game face on and you went to it, but you were all drinking in the cantina afterwards. Yeah, and everybody was helping everybody, yeah. Uh... I can remember helping James Garner. I helped Parnelli, and they all helped me. Uh, it, it, it was a family. Does it annoy you that men today are wimps? Because uh, <laughs> the men of your generation were men. They yeah, were real men. men. And today, we're just a bunch of pusses. <laughs> and I, does, it, does, yeah. does it drive you crazy? Well, you know, this last race that I raced, uh, I raced in an air-conditioned cab with a Parker pumper. Breathing fresh air, no dust. You know, I said, I'm a pussy. <laughs> <laughs> but at, at 86 years old, 
That's the only way I would have been able to make it. You've earned it. You've earned <laughs> oh, the yeah. Parker Ab- pump. Ab- you know what I mean? Ab- <laughs> absolutely. How how many miles did you end up uh, driving in that race, Dick? I was in, in the truck either co-driving or, or driving uh, all but uh, 80 miles. Whoa. Whoa. That, I've raced in the Baja 1000, and, and I will tell you, highlight of, of my life in a lot of ways, bucket list thing to do, but when you're racing – it's one of those things where it feels like it's a multi-hour car crash. And I've raced stock full with Josh Hall in a truck in a Hummer H2 that had nine inches of wheel travel. Uh, the thing weighed 8,000 pounds. You're just crashing through the bumps. You're going 75 miles an hour. And it's funny because you get in these rhythms in Baja as a co-driver when you're navigating and it starts to get quiet and you get tunnel vision because you just see what the lights out in front of you do, right? And you almost start falling asleep. Because it's Are just, you like a baby just yes, being lulled? Yes, that's exactly what it is. And wow. so a lot of times the driver, if he sees the co-driver fall asleep, he'll start doing silly things like driving into the cactus so they come through the windshield and hit you and the, <laughs> uh, stick to your uh, your race suit and all that kind of fun stuff. But but it's it's an incredible experience that's really hard to explain other than it, it really is like an, a, a car crash that goes on forever. It's getting mesmerized. Agreed, 100%. Did you have, during this last race, Dick, did you have any close calls or anything, or was it just all exhilaration and, and thumbs up the whole way? Uh, yeah, we had one close call. Uh, we, were, we were on a really nice road Bill was driving, and we were moving along in the 70 bracket, maybe 80, I don't know. Upper control arm bolt, which goes through the upper control arm and then through the eyes of the um, frame it fell out oh geez no, what that's pretty uh that's pretty big deal yeah so the front suspension collapsed collapsed yeah and, and did uh, you go careening off the off the trail no, no actually bill bill did a great job of uh gathering it all together and bringing it to a stop. Did it just shear it right off, or did it, I, I don't want to... Did you catch it in time where it was repairable yeah, on the trail? It, it just it just went south. It oh, wow. Out of the, so I imagine uh, it, it pulled away the uh, the front axles and the brake lines and everything, huh? Yeah. yeah. We got out, and we were 18 miles or so, so from our pit. And for anybody at our pit to get to us, they would have had to drive... They couldn't drive against traffic. They would have had to go around and be about 90 miles. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, because they couldn't go against traffic on the race course. Yeah. Right? Okay. How'd you get the parts? We we took a a, a 10-inch, half-inch extension, and we put an inch and a half uh, or an inch and a quarter, I forget, socket on one end and a pair of ice grips on the other end. And a bunch of duct tape. <laughs> duct tape's an amazing You're substance. making this up, Dick. You're making this up. <laughs> and three Hail Marys, and we drove it 19 miles in. Wow. Oh, no way. That's ama- That's a hell of a trail fix, my friend. Yeah. He used duct tape. <laughs> <laughs> duct tape, I, I, I can't tell you the amounts of things that I've broken off-road where duct tape got me home. Um, I once had uh, a Ranger FX4 Level 2 uh, we had put a prototype lift kit on it. The geometry was slightly off, and so the plunge on the uh, on the half shafts wasn't deep enough. So if you would cycle the suspension, the half shafts would pull out. And so I was in Arizona wheeling, <laughs> testing the suspension on it. Sure enough, pulled apart my half shaft. 
I got so good at replacing those, uh, I ended up making a duct tape boot and getting it home. I drove it all the way back to California after I did it with a duct tape boot on the end of the uh, axle shaft. Saves you every time. <laughs> I love that duct tape. <laughs> what was your favorite part of uh, getting back in the truck? Because you had mentioned that it had been 15 plus years since you had been in the race truck racing. And I know it was such a part of your career. Was it, I have to imagine it was very special for you to get back in and put that harness on and put that helmet on again for the first time I think, over decades. I think the best time was when I got in it and was able to get it up to speed. I mean, I'm not talking 100 miles an hour, but probably in the 60, 70 mile an hour. That's pretty fast. You know, and on this particular stretch, and I could hit a berm and bounce off the berm back into the back into the trail and then hit a berm on the other side. <laughs> it, it just felt good to be able to ride the berms. There's nothing as good as being in a race truck where you are on the perfect road, the perfect speed. You're not overdriving the truck because you're not off the jounces and you're not and you're not you know over making the crashing through the suspension where the suspension is just breathing and you're hitting stuff, but the truck is soaking it up, it's like this zen feeling. It is, it's magical. You know, I'm kind of jealous of Dick because he's seen so much. He's seen the progression from racing Jeeps, yeah. you know, that had horrific suspension comparatively sure. into the most uh, technologically advanced, you know, off-road racing trucks today. I mean, does it, are you able to step back, Dick, and just look at it kind of like the timeline and go, wow. I've seen all the progress. It's got to be neat. You know, when you take a trophy truck or something like that, that's mammoth as far as technology and et cetera. But I think the thing that I was really impressed with on the Raptor was the 10-speed transmission Mm. and the different modes that you could put the transfer case in. Basically, it had four modes. When you got in the sand, I'm going to call it the sand mode, that 10-speed transmission had you in the right gear at the right time all the time. I would feel myself like wanting to reach down to shift, and the transmission had already done it. The 10-speed's a great transmission in that truck. In fact, I just got out of a a year-long test drive, the 2017 uh, Raptor was our 2017 four-wheeler pickup truck of the year, and so we had one for a year from Ford. And I just got out of that, and I agree with you that ten, I was worried. Ten-speed transmission, you think, oh, it's going to hunt. It's always going to be in the wrong gear. Uh, that thing is so well dialed in. It makes that truck so much fun. Not that a 450 horsepower t- twin turbocharged truck isn't fun already, but the transfer case has this great um, auto mode in it. So you get four high, four low, two wheel drive, but you also get an auto mode. And you have the transmission, and you have the engine power, everything working together, especially with the suspension on those trucks. It's it's really phenomenal that the factory is turning that out. Yeah, it. I, I was really impressed. Really impressed. Were you worried about the new Raptor when they announced the the new the new platform when they went away from the the V8? Not really. Twin turbo six cylinders just to me means torque, torque, torque. I. Personally, think that the, that engine probably is capable of 500 or better horsepower. Well, in fact, the version of that engine is in the uh, new Ford GT, and I believe it's 650 horsepower. Obviously, it's had some things done to it over the Raptor engine, but 
it's a strong it's a strong engine that 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 block was made strong and and there's a lot of power potential in there above and beyond where Raptor's at now which uh, I'm sure Ford will dial it up a little bit when uh, when some of the competition comes out because there's rumors from Chevy and Ram entering that space at some point yeah. so should be uh, should be a lot of fun but uh, Dick Landfield congratulations on a remarkable 50 years in the off-road racing industry and to have gotten back out there this year in your mid 80s man congratulations that is so awesome is there anything left on the on the bucket list because that's pretty major as far as i'm concerned well there's always something left on the bucket list. <laughs> i don't know maybe the bucket fills up nah, never fill the bucket up <laughs> i love that i love that get a bigger bucket and keep going yeah get a bigger bucket <laughs> love it all right thank you very much for uh, carving out some time for us we really appreciate it hey Good talking to you guys. Have a good day. All right. Okay. Thanks, Dick. All right. Alrighty. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. I want to be Dick Lanfield. Well. When I grow up. If if you don't start eating better, you're not going to make it to 85. <laughs> Dude, I'm not going to make it to 55. <laughs> Wait, oh, you're not at 55 Lord. already? No, not even close. <laughs> surprisingly, surprisingly not. Hi, I made. I own a Ford dealership everybody knows about. Uh, I used to be best friends with Mickey Thompson. I... Uh, in Baja, I, I have tons of trophies. Uh, yeah, I, I I have an amazing life. Uh, oh, by the way, I'm 85. I'm 85, and I'm still cooler than both uh, you schmucks uh, yeah, right. in that I'm, little I'm podcast gonna, studio. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go race a thousand mile race. I want him to be my grandpa. No, I want to be him. <laughs> I want to be like. I'd love to go to his dealership. I'm gonna be a schmuck when I'm 85 and just hang out with him. Yeah, and just just I want to just hear his like sit by the. Now, not do you that, think that you have a campfire at the dealership? But, you know, sit around the campfire and talk talk race trucks. Do you think that he's the kind of 85-year-old that just doesn't take any shit? Or do you think he's like, no, nah, I'm, I'm cool, I'm nope, cool? No, he doesn't take any no. I think once you get to that age, you're like, I earned it. Your filter goes off and you don't care anymore. <laughs> and I can tell you right now, that's the kind of 40-year-old I am. Yeah. <laughs> so I can only imagine what a dick I'm You're already the get-off-my-lawn, kids. Am. I am. What did you say last show? You said something that I almost blew a circuit. The kids today. Oh, yeah. The, you said Holman what's said the following with, words. He said, wrong what's with, wrong with, with the kids, kids today? today? Yeah. Oh, my yep. Lord. And he, would, he wasn't doing it facetiously. Hey, thinking, can you get off my lawn already? You're insane. <laughs> what's wrong with you? By the way, we have some Awesome emails that I cannot wait to read you. You want to do it now? Yeah, sure. Why not? All right. You email? Yeah. I email. Do it. We email. That's right. Everybody email. Type it up. You email. Proofread. I email. Send it. We email. Click it. Everybody email. can't just bob your head, dude. you got to bring me some email. <laughs> I'm not done dancing. I, I told you, sure. this is like my favorite part No of one can see you. It's a podcast. It's audio only. The fact that you're over there shaking your junk around and you're bobbing Whoa. your head ain't Whoa. doing anything for our listeners. That, 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 is not, that is not a mental image anybody wants to see. Yeah. I almost guarantee it. Hey, uh, so last week, you and I got into this major argument about whether our younger listeners- Mm-hmm. 
care about us talking about the glory days All right. and old so TV shows. If you're stuff. just tuning in uh, for your first episode of the <laughs> Truck Show podcast, my name is Lightning. I used to be on K Rock in Los Angeles, and now I work at Banks Power in Azusa, California. And Holman is uh, Holman is important, and he is at the <laughs> Truck Trend Network, which is part of Motor Trend and Discovery Networks and all this other stuff. And don't forget and, the Four Wheeler Network too. And Four Wheeler Network, exactly. He's been an editor since uh, I don't know twenty some odd years, and a journalist. And I, where was I going with this? I don't know. So I was just trying I'm to give some people I'm, some I'm back. just watching you. I'm trying flail. to give some some. Yeah, I'm just trying to give uh, our listeners some some so background. Some background. All yeah, right. exactly. All right. So, uh, lightning is of a certain age. I'm of a younger age than that. Barely. <laughs> Why <laughs> but, do you keep saying that? Barely. Uh, because it's hilarious. How uh, it is funny. <laughs> but how how I'm what four years older than you are? Yeah, I think you're more than that. Hmm. I think you're six. Are you six? six? I'm six years old. Maybe than you. eight. No, I don't think so. You don't think so? No. You have a lot more gray in your beard than I do. I have do. a lot of gray in my beard. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I'm looking at your beard. You just don't grow it as long. I don't know. Where are we oh, going with I'm this? I'm always younger. That's all I know. <laughs> anyway. All right. So here's the point. So I was talking about- Oh, we were talking about nostalgia. Nostalgia. And, and here's the thing. Is and that, Fall Guy yeah, and all these yeah, great TV and shows. I'm like, look, look. There's a point at which young people will go- I don't get your old, yeah, hey, hey, old man, stop talking about, yeah. stop waxing poetically about the 80s. And I said you were wrong. And we asked our listeners to settle this, settle the score, settle the dispute, and tell us who's wrong and who's right. You can't just read one email. No, no, no. Okay? Oh, no, no, no. I have a stack we for need, you. We need at least three emails. Done. Right? So it's two out of three win. Okay. But all right. Here's what we're going to do. Okay. I'm going to read you the emails. All right. You're going to keep score. All right. All right, so you're going to okay. tally up under the lightning column mm-hmm. and then tally up under the Holman column. All right, so this is the lightning column. This is the Holman column. <laughs> nope, that is not correct. <laughs> There's nothing that that is completely, completely false. All right, so who's first? Come on in. Okay, Chris Whipple says, Lightning and Holman, I actually paused the podcast. Because to- I hate the oldie old references. No. I actually paused the podcast to Google Fall Guy before you discussed how we would not search what we were talking about. Everyone fell in love with trucks in the past. It's just how far back it happened. Thanks, Chris. Oh, All right, hold on. Put hold that on tally. A second. That's Wait. a Holman tally. Uh, hold on. Holman won. Okay. Yep. Oh, say that again. Holman won. Holman always wins. Just remember No, that. I didn't say that. Nope. <laughs> Keep going. All right. Next one. Uh, Jake, mm-hmm. his title is I'm that lazy 24 year old. And he writes, All right. Lightning and Holman, what's up? Okay, technically I'm 25, but still same concept. And I would love for you to go back in time and review stuff like the Fall Guy truck. Ugh. I'm 25, but grew up watching the Dukes of Hazard, Fall Guy, Chips, and so on. Of course, I'm not like most 25 year olds these days who are glued to their phone, unless I'm listening to the Truck Show podcast, of course. That was a nice little, uh, appreciate the shout out there, Jake. He says, I think TV nowadays is terrible, and I hate my generation is growing up stuck on cell phones and stuck with terrible scripted TV shows and not outside in the garage wrenching and learning something useful. I wrote in before and have received my shirt. Thanks for that. It's awesome, and I try to wear it whenever I go to events or to Walmart at 2 a.m. for a case of beer. <laughs> says, anyway, keep up the good work. I hope we can hear some stuff about the 80s trucks and TV and movies. Take it easy and make sure to mount your engine parameters. Oh, yes. Hold on. Mounter. This is our friend who drives the uh, locomotive at the steel mill. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, so, oh, so we're, uh, we're we jealous of you. Yeah. So anyway, uh, that would be a tally in the Holman That is uh, two for Holman, okay. zero for Lightning. All right. This one 
Five stars! Five stars! Five stars! Okay, this is from Jonathan. He says, was listening to the last episode on the truck club meets and truck scene. Best reference I can use as a comparison is Coachella. For the off-road people, it would be Glamis, TDS, or Johnson Valley. Not so much the event itself, but the after-hours craziness. Uh, looking for some info on the 2020 Bronco. I'm starting to think Holman has some info he can't talk about. That is true. He does have some info he I cannot talk can't about. talk about it. Which is, uh, sucks. Also, where's our interview with Casey from Casey's Paint Shop? Actually, know Casey a little bit. Uh, I've never heard of Casey's pro- Paint Shop. He was the original painter on Fast and Loud. Red-haired oh, guy? Oh, yeah. Cool dude. Uh, okay. So we should we should probably get him on. Okay. He says, uh, from his YouTube channel to branching out to a bigger shop, car wash and lube shop, uh, speaking as a fan that could never afford his build, I'm still in love with every F-150 he has to go through his shop. My ride's 89 Bronco or one ton. Would love to start a new build. Currently looking for a 78, 79 Bronco so I could ditch the front axle, install a Crown Vic front end. It's the only way to get my F-100 fixed and still fit three kids and my loving wife. This one is from our friend Jonathan. We won't count that in the tally. Thank you, Jonathan, okay. for your email. We've got one uh, here from Caden. Caden says, Hey, Lightning and Holman. Heard your segment about the younger generation not caring about older car shows with crazy wrecks and jumps. Well, I'm 21 years old, and I'm a diesel tech and listen to your show heavily while working. I've looked up a lot of stuff from your show. I will definitely be checking out Fall Guy after work. Keep up the awesome show! No. No. That would be uh, be a... Oh, yeah. uh, tally in the Holman column there? How do I know that you're not just deleting the email that says I don't like the old references? Because you actually have the uh, access to the exact same email account that I did. I didn't look, though. Okay. This is from Ethan. All okay. right. Maybe, All maybe right. Ethan will soothe your wounds. Well, I don't know. You're up ahead. You're up by three. I think, I think let me read you just the subject line because I think it's going to make you feel better. Go ahead. Lightning, you're freaking wrong. In the subject does not, line. <laughs> does not make me feel any better. says, hey guys, I'm a 25-year-old fan listening to the podcast, and I love old shows, movies, and old things in general. After hearing your debate about Fall Guy and listening to you talk about old trucks being launched in a Dukes of Hazard type of way, I had to look it up. I'm on my lunch break right now, watching Fall Guy videos on YouTube, <laughs> and when I get home, I plan on trying to find a full episode. Old is the new. I've been binge-watching Dukes for three seasons now, and I can't get enough of it. Always looking for more cool old truck and car shows. <laughs> My next show to binge will be Chips. Anyways, Lightning, you're friggin' wrong. There are a lot of us in the younger generation who still enjoy the old shows and movies, and you guys can't stop talking about cool stuff from the past. The present and future is important, but the past is as equally fascinating and important. Love the show. Love Omar's theme songs. Kevin and Bean Listener here. And love the guests you have. Five stars! Five already stars! left the review. All right, all right. All right, all right. All right so, so that's from Caden. All right. Okay. He All says right. uh, he does say this. P.S. is kind of funny. He says one time I was driving my service van. It's a Nissan down some street in Long Beach and could have sworn I saw Lightning's big ass truck parked on the street under a tarp. I didn't have time to stop and take a picture, but I was super pumped about it. That was probably it. it. Yeah, that was That's probably it. So- sounds right. What I was saying is yeah. that I just think that there's a limit to okay. the nostalgia. So you're walking back your comments. No, if you lo- listen back to the uh-huh. last podcast, it's exactly what I said. Okay. I just said I don't want to go too far. Uh-huh. I did. I did say, hey, there will come a time we should stop talking about the past. Let, uh, hold on, let me just know, read like, this from Aaron because right. Aaron wrote in, and I think Aaron will solidify this argument. <sighs> he says, "Hey guys, as a 26 year old guy listening at work, I definitely looked up the Fall Guy truck. <laughs> so a few years ago, I bought a farm truck, a used K20, and am now wanting to wrap it like that truck and send it off a jump. I've been listening since the Finnegan episode. Keep up the great work, but maybe get rid of the email song. Get stuck in my head every time. Anyway, here's a picture of my truck. I also recently picked up a $500. Oh, let me see. Let me see. Here let me see. Turn it Here around. Here you go. Oh, oh, dude. Square headlight, square sweet. body. I also recently picked up a $500 Ranger, which is great for hauling the dogs around. 
everyone needs a $500 truck. <laughs> so true. It's almost as capable as a rental vehicle. Size large, please, Aaron. Uh, and uh, Okay, listen, I get it. You don't have to keep going. I get it. And I do like your comedy stylings there, by the way, tricking me into reading more <laughs> that are just slapping me around. Here's the thing. So, all right, so we'll... we'll uh, We'll have um, what I want to say. We'll we'll make sure that we don't go crazy on the old references. Right. We can have them from time to time, but I just <laughs> I don't want to be two old guys just reminiscing all the can time. Can I read one more email? <sighs> yes, uh, from Bill Holman. <laughs> he says, uh, "If only I knew." <laughs> he says, "Holman, you and Light sound like a couple of geezers on the porch in your rocking chairs with your back in the day references. Keep up the good work, boys." Pops. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good place to end up. Can you just tally? Well, how many? Uh, tally yeah, that, that was uh, that was six for Holman, and that's uh, <laughs> well, how, a how big many? old goose egg for uh, lightning. You know what uh, sound effect you need to give yourself there? Yeah. That's so right on. Finally. You're you're finally starting to work that board pretty good, my friend. You know. All right. So we'll do the Fall Guy segment. We have to. Now we have to find find somebody who's in the know about Fall Guy. Like, I'm excited about it. I think we start with the companies that rent out show cars, right? Yeah. I'll I'll do a little research because I I found some information online that I think we can go backwards and track down. So let me me see what I can find because I think it's a cool story. We can find the stunt guy, or we could find somebody who built them. I mean, there's got to be somebody out there. They're right? all in the San Fernando Valley. Yeah, everybody. like all the famous stunt cars that you've ever seen are all in the San Fernando Valley in Southern California. I don't know why that is. We need to talk to somebody. Why the, it's obviously it's co- close, close to, the movie to movie studios. Movie right? studios. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Maybe it's because the land and the junkyards, and I don't uh, know. No. It is the land of the junkyards, by the it, way. It is. in in the San Fernando <laughs> Valley. That there's no joke there. Well, actually, there is a joke there, but <laughs> <laughs> let's not go there. Holman, you're still driving the Nissan, aren't you? Yeah, you like that? I want a review. Can I have a review? Um, okay. Did you <laughs> did you actually have to think about it for a second? No, I just I just like uh, leaving you hanging. All right, you did that well. Truck review, yeah. Roll the coal and drag it, truck much. So what are you driving? What are you driving and what do we need to know? Okay, so we've been talking about this for, I don't know, way too long. And we've been talking about getting a base model Frontier to test out. And so I finally got my hands on a base model Frontier from the fleet with no options. We talk about the honesty of a basic truck, right? And so typically as a journalist, you know, the car companies, the manufacturers will, will come to our place of business or whatever, and they'll drop off the latest and greatest version of whatever they have. Almost never is there a base model. And Nissan said, hey, we heard the podcast that you guys are talking about the base model Frontier. We actually have one in the fleet. Do you want to borrow it for a week? And then we said, we'd love to do a truck review. Yeah. Roll the coal and drag it. Truck mud. <laughs> I love that. I do. Um, all right. So what showed up was a base model Nissan Frontier. Right. It had a pickup bed. <laughs> right. Of course. I <laughs> would hope so. A four-cylinder engine. Yeah. A five-speed manual transmission. Did it have a gas tank? Had a gas tank. Okay. Had a right and left mirror. Oh. Had the coldest air conditioning I've ever felt in any vehicle ever. And it was mighty hot outside. Had roll-up windows. When was the last time you drove something with roll-up windows? 87. Yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so here, here's my thoughts on it, because I feel like we have to share it. I drove it for a week. And? Truck review. Yeah. Roll the coal and drag it. Truck mud. 
No, we don't own oh, that one. No, no, no. Okay, no. Right. Only on the first one. But here's what I love. It, it It's quiet. It drives nice. You actually get a lot of value for the money. So a base model Tacoma with nothing is like twenty five grand. Okay. A base model uh, Chevy Colorado. Right. It was how much? Twenty five thousand. Okay. All right. Base model Colorado, I believe, is like uh, twenty one five or something like that, or twenty two, right in there. Base model Frontier. Mm-hmm. So keep oh. in keep in mind. Okay. You get four doors. It's an extended <laughs> cab with the with the suicide doors. Okay. You get four seats. Okay. You get air conditioning. Yeah. You get Bluetooth. You get a decent stereo that actually has bass. And Bluetooth. And Bluetooth. Okay. You get a backup camera. Mm-hmm. You get a color head unit, a little screen on your head unit. Right and left mirrors. You get a spare tire. Now, people are wondering why you're mentioning right and left mirrors. Because when we were kids, here we go again, <laughs> you would buy a truck and there was not a right-hand mirror. Right. You would get the base model and there was it was mirrorless on that side. How much money <laughs> were they trying to save just I, I by mean, not yeah, putting a I mean, mirror? I mean, $5 yeah. or something like that? It's stupid. <laughs> uh, general grabber tires. I'm not familiar with those. I mean, just it's a decent tire. It's not okay. like a, a Kung Pao or something tire <laughs> from some you know, Thailand factory. Or, I don't know. Kung Pao? Yeah. yeah something like that. Um, so I drove it, and I got pretty decent fuel economy. And as long as you shift above like 3,500, plenty of power. Okay. In fifth gear, 80 miles an hour, it would keep pulling. Okay. I mean, so it's not down on power. You get a ton of features. You get a truck that rides great. More than basic transportation. Guess how much this thing was. Um, let me guess. Toyota Tacoma, 25 range. Yeah. Chevy Colorado, 21, 22 range. Mm-hmm. Nissan Frontier. Eighteen eight five five. You're a bastard. What? Because you because we talked about how much it costs, and now no, how much is showing, it? It's eighteen nine ninety. I didn't know that. Eighteen nine ninety. Why was I close? With with a warranty? That's a bargain, dude. That's a bargain for less than twenty grand. So destination is like nine seventy five or something. So for nineteen thousand nine eighty five, uh-huh. you can get a decent little pickup that does everything you want it to do. And you don't like I didn't feel like I was missing anything. How was Nissan's for uh, upgrades? You know, for aftermarket parts. Sure, for the wheels. Oh, well, for this truck, I mean, you put wheels, tires, you can put better shocks Easy, on. Right? Yeah, Easy, right? Easy. Yeah, you can do a bed liner if you want. Or you can order it from the factory. This didn't have a bed liner, but did have tow a, package. Uh, I don't know if you can buy a tow package on the four cylinder. Okay, but you know. I mean, if you're pulling a jet ski, that's easy. Yeah. No, it'll it'll tow a jet ski. Um, but anyway, just a bitching little, tough little truck. It, it reminded me of like it, an old most body. Important, most importantly, was it fun? It was totally fun. You could chirp second if you <laughs> managed the clutch properly. Um, and honestly, I didn't have – there wasn't anything I, – I, I'm going to be super brutally honest and say there's a little bit inside me that's like, I really hope I'm not disappointed by this. Uh, the, the Frontier came out in 2005. And I was thinking, yeah, you know what? Maybe, maybe it's not as good as some of the new trucks. Not a squeak or rattle. And this had been the press release, so you know it had been beaten up. Seventy five hundred miles on it. Yeah, you so guys in driven. the press are just brutal on vehicles. Yeah, had no squeaks, no rattles. Super tight, good stereo. I mean, for what you get for the money, I was really impressed. So I'm going to go ahead and say the Nissan Frontier base model gets the uh, the Holman seal of approval. Would you say that it gets five stars? Oh, you know what?
I, I don't think that's the right one we do. Uh-uh. No, I shouldn't. No, we shouldn't do that again. <laughs> so as much as I loves me some Brad Schreiber from GM and talking about the new AEV ZR2. Yeah, the uh, bison. I'm very excited to see the bison. And I'm hoping, I'm fingers crossed that they'll let us borrow one. I doubt it, but you never know. No. Crazier things have happened. I know how to get some. I, I, I know people. Okay, you know people. As much as I love him, I really like Dick Landfield. I mean, 85 racing Baja. I just want to go hang out with him. <laughs> like, the phone call wasn't enough. His stories have got to be... See, we. I think we just scratched the surface. Oh, for sure. Just scratched the surface. And, and he also seemed to me like the kind of guy that isn't just going to share... The really juicy, funny stories until he gets to know you. Until until he gets around the campfire. You, well, you got to be in his circle of trust. Correct. And we're not Agreed. in there yet. No, no, no. It was clear that we we're, were not a in bunch there. of yahoos asking a bunch of silly questions. I and, know, and so. I feel bad that we we. I think we probably came across as a couple of yahoos, but I I don't know the man. I like his stories. We haven't. I love his stories too, and I'd love to. I've never met him. I've raced in Baja. I've I know a lot of the people on the team, or have crossed paths with people. I've never had the opportunity to meet him, and I've always known who he was. So to me, that was just really cool to kind of. To kind of talk to you and meet somebody like that. Yeah, I agree. I liked his bucket list advice, but I was kind of disappointed he didn't share with us what else was on there. <laughs> no. He's 85. <laughs> he's done a ton of stuff, and he owns a Ford dealership. Yeah. So he's not poor. No, so no, no. he has some advantages, and he can carry out a lot of these wish, you know, these these wishes that he wants to get. Oh, he carry. can do anything yeah. he wants to do. I just, I think it's awesome that out of all the things in the world- So that he what's wants left to, on this list? He wants to go race a Raptor in Baja. So he did it. Yeah, he did it. In the, in and the, there's still stuff left. So what? What is still yeah, left? What's left? I don't is know. he going to swim the sharks or something? That'd be kind of cool. I don't know. We need to start hanging out with an 85-year-old <laughs> a little more often. What's Gail up to? He wants to hang out with us again? He's not 85. <laughs> He's know. got another 10 years to go. <laughs> Gail is a young man by no, comparison. No, he is. Absolutely. <laughs> it's the Truck Show Podcast. The Truck Show. The Truck Show. The Truck Show. Oh, oh. Send us your email, truckshowpodcast at gmail.com, truckshowpodcast at gmail.com. Keep those emails coming, especially if uh, it proves lightning wrong and me right. I love having tallies in the uh, Holman column. And don't forget to check us out on uh, socials, at Truck Show Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. Hey, and thank you very much to Nissan, our sponsor. We really, really appreciate them. And by the way, thank you for my uh, my Calling All Titans t-shirt. Yes, if you remember last week, uh, we talked about Nissan, our presenting sponsor, has a new ad campaign, Calling All Titans. And this so, could be the softest t-shirt I've it ever is. owned. It is. It is. This is buttery soft. It is buttery soft. It's it's softer than like the best chamois you've ever held. I'm going to remember take... last week you were art. You were like, "How dare you not bring me my T-shirt?" And you're like obstinate about it. So... I rolled in today and it was on my chair. I, know. I was walking out of the out of the house, and I literally looked over and saw it sitting there. And I grabbed it. And my wife looks at me. She goes, "For lightning." <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to take the pillowcase off my pillow, uh-huh. and I'm actually going to sleep on this tonight. Like, oh, it's <laughs> it's very soft. It's so comfortable. It's 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 pretty pretty damn nice. This is my favorite. Do you ever wish you had a blanket made out of that material? Ooh, that's not a bad idea. Mm, that'd be great. Hey, www.callingalltitans.com. Check it out. It's pretty this cool. Is, this is really comfortable. You like that shirt, don't this you? This is really comfortable. <laughs> Good, are you gonna? We're gonna end the show now. He's literally like hugging his T-shirt up against the mic. It's very odd. You know, here we are late in the day in a little podcast studio under fluorescent lights. <laughs> it's 
There's no, there's nothing good about what's happening right now. We should have ended the show a while ago. I'm sorry. Last time I ever bring you a t-shirt. I, I'm talking through the t-shirts. It's just so comfortable. <laughs> oh, Nissan's never going to do anything with us ever again. Oh, uh, no, they're not. <laughs> Thanks, Nissan.